Hello, and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Well, hello, my name is Eric Eastep. And I'm Scott Reevely. And this is the City on a Hill podcast. Welcome to 2024, listeners. And Scott. Gulp. This this is actually the past, so we're now projecting into the future, into 2024, but this is currently 2023. Well, how do you think think your New Year's is going? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How, how, looking back on 2024... How do I think it's going these first few days? Yeah. <laughs> That's a weird question. That's right. But I'm guessing that um, I'm out over my skis already and <laughs> just gonna, only just a few days in. Just projecting. I, that's how I that's how I expect to feel. <laughs> that's great. That's probably how you'll feel then. I mean it's like it's like you're just going downhill with your hair on fire. And that's kind of what twenty twenty four is gonna be like, I think, for me. Well, listeners, I hope it's not that way for all of you, but uh, we're going to grant you peace. That's true. Yes. Um, We're going to jump back into some definitions. It's been, I think, two episodes since we talked about some definitions. And uh, two episodes ago or so, we talked about some different isms, defined some stuff there to help uh, navigate the news and navigate the different players and specifically the political news. We talked about the definition of politics and partisan and right and left and things like that, because if you're going to have a conversation about politics in the church and how do we interact in politics, it's really helpful to start with some definitions so you know what you're talking about. Well, it's probably most important rather than say, but you're wrong about your definition. It's probably just best to ask the question, what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. And you can work off almost any definition as long as you agree on it. Right. Really. So, I mean, we're not here trying to say, oh, this is the, you know, answer to all things. <laughs> Rather, we're saying, oh, dear, uh, Eric just broke his microphone. So, in case this has to be a solo episode, I'll just keep going. Well, I really am hoping that uh, our talk about definitions will uh probably more than make you good definers will help you be good listeners so that you know if you guys if you're talking with somebody and you're using different definitions or you're not completely sure but that you'll ask and listen and you can work off someone else's definition as long as it's the same one yeah so that's what i'm really hoping will happen when we talk about definitions realize you've got to have the same one as the person you're talking to yeah and, and that's a re- actually a really good point not something i we had written down if you are having a conversation with someone, maybe you're arguing, maybe you're disagreeing about something. If you lock in the definition, you can go back and forth. It's not like you have to agree. You're 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 really talking about ideas at that point. Well, and you just happen to use whatever label, and you can interact. And in by a lock way. in, you mean agree rather than lock right. in on the fact that I listened to City on the Hill and I have the right definition. Right, and right. I lock in on that. That's not what we're talking about. Right. Yeah, maybe it's something from a couple episodes ago and you're arguing about nationalism or arguing about progressivism or supporting nationalism or progressivism and you, and you don't have to go, well, City on a Hill said the nationalism means this. Um, but if, if you're talking with someone, you decide, okay, this is what this means. Let's talk about 
the merits of it or the demerits of it, um, that's still a worthwhile conversation as long as you are, con- are um, consistent with each other. Yeah. And, and we're talking about definitions anyway, because if, if ours isn't exactly the one you use, hopefully there'll be enough sort of uh, padding around the idea that we're trying to get at that you can use what we're talking about mm-hmm. to talk with somebody who uses a different definition. We're, we're yep. not in any way possessive. We just, I would rather create good listeners than good mm-hmm. talkers from the city on the hill if I could. Yeah. Well, let's jump into some other other words that need defining. I think one of the bigger ones that comes up quite a bit is just the word government. You'll hear, oh, I don't like the government, or I do like the government, or um, maybe it's it's so nebulous you hear something like, government is the stuff we do together. It's not That's not a very good definition because <laughs> there's a lot of things we do together that's not government. And, um, but I, I've often heard just government is just so big and so large of an idea that it kind of encompasses a lot of, a lot of the discussion. So one place to start with government first is, I think it's helpful to start with God when you're thinking about it. Um, God governs. If you start, if you were to open your Bible and, and see that God created the world and his posture to it is one of of ownership and organization. Yeah, yeah. And rule. Um, and so God governs all things and the, the little thing, the littler things that we call government are, are a delegated, um, governance that God has delegated to people, um, specifically image bearers. If you were to go to Genesis 128, um, when it describes God, um, creating people, God bless them, God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. There's some governance uh, language there. There's some ruling language there. And all governance um, that we experience as humans is delegated governance. God God has the control and he's going to delegate authority, which is why in in passages you have um, all authorities from God. Well, that's Romans 13 mm-hmm. is a direct statement of what you're suggesting really from um, f- from the image of God in creation mm-hmm. is that that God has delegated government and he did to Adam and Eve and he did uh, he does now to uh, political entities or states mm-hmm. um, or other entities too I mean we, we talk about government one of the, one of the things that's worth talking about is that government is broader than just your city state or nation Right. I mean, government, governing the verb happens. You govern a family, you govern Mm -hmm. um, a little league team, you govern uh, just about every situation. Mm -hmm. You you want to govern some kind of governing document, some kind of governing body. And that, and I still think that even in Genesis 120, have dominion, there's this way of exercising. Mm You know, however you want to say it, authority, power, control, right to to a certain end. Mm-hmm. You 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 work at work at uh, moving toward that end. You are governing, mm-hmm. and it can be anything. Yeah, well, in, in the Garden of Eden, the the context is a garden with animals. They're they're governing the garden and and cultivating it towards its appropriate end. Right. And that would be similar to someone taking care of their garden and 
that's really dumb way to say that, but I, I'm picturing like a, like a grandma that has been working on her garden for 50 years. She's governing that thing and making it more towards the end. It should be rather than something that it becomes re reminds me of a little pastor joke. If you don't mind. Oh, here we go. <laughs> there was a, a pastor out working in his garden and this prisoner walks by and he's wanting to be all spiritual and press his pastor. He says, pastor, your garden's looking really good. You and you and God do, uh, do great work there. And uh, you really, you, know, you and God are growing this great garden. And the pastor looks back at him and said, you know, God and I, God and I have kind of a partnership, but you should have seen it when he had it all by himself. Oof. <laughs> and it, which actually is a governance mm -hmm. joke, right? I mean, right. we make a joke of it, but it's, it's about the, 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 person or the pastor governing in mm -hmm. having dominion over this small plot of land so that's that's really as it should be the um just in your theology of governance i think you probably have to acknowledge that when um adam and eve sinned one of the curses was on that garden mm. and governing then became more difficult and became corrupted and became what we know as work to rule over all those things, he'll now do it by the sweat of his brow, whereas before, right. I can't even imagine, but I wouldn't it be wonderful to work in your garden or to govern and have it not be work? Without the curse involved, yeah. Yeah, but, but one of the aspects of the curse was this curse upon the, the governing function of human beings, mm -hmm. as well as childbearing and other things. Uh, then it goes badly for a number of years and Noah comes on the scene. Mm -hmm. And there is an, another governing statement given by God in chapter nine of uh, Genesis. And he blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. We've heard this before. So it's a, essentially a reiteration of this governance uh, mandate that God gave them. And then he talked about how they're going to do it with all, all the animals and all the birds and all the fish. And um, they're, it's going to be God's delegated authority. They're there to do justice. Um, you know, if for uh, in four year lifeblood, I will require a reckoning from every beast I require it, and from man, from his fellow man, I will require reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of a man by uh, man, his blood shall be shed. And so uh, for God made man in his own image. So it goes back to that original mm -hmm. image bearing delegated governance that we talked about before. But uh, one of the manifest aspects of that is justice that is supposed to be exercised in this dominion. So, and then it closes with the same word it started with, uh, and and you be fruitful and multiply and increase greatly in the earth and multiply in it. So um, the the interesting thing is that particular what we call the Noahic covenant was given to all human beings, not merely to God's chosen people. So it's unique in that, and it's more of a this is the way human beings work in the world, right? Sort of a thing. So and and acknowledges that the world is broken now, that the, the curse is there, and. There's a need not just for govern, governing that um, lends itself to the flourishing of creation, but also the protection 
of mm-hmm. um, Im- image bearers specifically. If if someone um, kills someone, we have to deal with that. So there's a, there's a, a new layer of government that wasn't necessary before the fall and now is necessary. Right. And it's authority and, and government still delegated, but there's an extra need that is required. And I think it's probably worth just mentioning if, if you just have that short little, I don't know, uh, theology of governance right there, uh, it does help to sort of um, recognize in there that you've got um, a mandate, but then you've got sin. And see, that's one of the things that we acknowledge, we acknowledge here in the podcast, but I think all of us have to acknowledge in uh, application in the world mm-hmm. is that the whole idea of governance is broken. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we just think it needs to be perfect. Well, the reality is it, it isn't going to be. Right. Because it says in your Bible, governance right. got goofed up by the fall. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, short of the, the coming kingdom where the king will reign with justice and righteousness, mm-hmm. that will that'll be well and good and perfect. Up until that point, we're, we're dealing with broken people doing broken things with broken systems, really often trying their best to do, to do what they can well. So, so to kind of veer this theological discussion into how we generally talk about the idea of government, I think this definition is, is fairly helpful from the Columbia Encyclopedia. It defines government as a system of social control under which the right to make laws and the right to enforce them is vested in a particular group in society. So that's generally when people are talking about government, we're talking about that. There's a particular um, group of people or one person that is responsible to make the laws and to enforce them, not just write stuff on paper, but actually say, hey, you have to do what this thing says. Well, and again, if you're talking about the government of uh, the student body mm-hmm. or something, it's going to look a little different. Mm-hmm. Because you've got government at multiple levels of multiple institutions right. and probably multiple layers, but nonetheless, it does have to do with I don't, social control. Seems kind of a funny way to talk about it, but but it's reality. The, the exercise yeah. of authority or power would be probably more how I would talk about it. Um, yeah, but I, w- I was just talking with someone today who is on his HOA board and dealing with. Uh, a social interaction relationship it's not it's not going well because someone's really upset with the hoa board and he doesn't have a ton of authority right and but there's there's rules and regulations that the hoa has um said this is how we live in this little neighborhood and they're the ones that are uh, responsible to enforce those rules and the the problem he's having is that someone's um suing them because they didn't enforce the rules so they're, they're responsible to be the, the governing body for that little neighborhood. And because something happened that was um, was against the rules, that, hey, you didn't enforce the rules, so I'm, I'm going to come after you. So that's, that's, a, that's not a state. That's not a city. That's not a nation. That's rough. That's rough. That's <laughs> definitely rough. Yeah. But it is government, and it is the ramifications of government. Um, one of the things that I think is helpful not necessarily with the definition, but really the the outworkings. How would how would we observe government happen? And I like to go. We've gone to Plato before to talk about different styles of government. I think Aristotle is really helpful because he basically says there's three different styles of government. You could have um, one person ruling, you could have a few people ruling, or you could have many people ruling. And that is the number of people. But you could either have a good or a bad version of any of those. 
And if you have, say you had one person ruling, um, this is just a little breakdown. I got the, the good form of it would just be a monarchy and it'd be, there's a king and we assume the king is good and the king is going to rule. Um, he doesn't have to talk to anyone else or the queen doesn't have to talk to anyone else. Doesn't have to get any council or, or work it through a no parliament or anything. Balance. It's just boom, one person, they decide, obviously that's really, that's really quick and efficient. Um, and if you have a good king or a good monarch, that's a good form of government. That'd be great. Mm -hmm. Um, there, if there's good character in the, in the leader, the bad form of that same style of government would be tyranny. And we often hear the word tyrant or tyranny is just a big warning word. Cause that's one person that's doing whatever they want with really no care, um, for anyone but themselves or what they want to do. And with no check and balance. Right. Which again, we're not used to, but right. That's why we don't have this. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the, if we go to a few people, you could have a good form of aristocracy or a bad form of oligarchy. Um, and in reality, all oligarchy is just ruled by the few, but really, if you go good or bad form, one of them, an aristocracy originally would be like ruled by the best. Who are the best people that can rule? And we're going to put them in charge. If in Plato's Republic, he's often talking about philosopher kings. Those would be the aristocracy. Those would be the, they care about wisdom. They care about ruling well. Um, let's put them in charge because they've thought about it and they want to do good things. The bad form of just an oligarchy would be, just be there's a few people, but they don't care how they're ruling or what they're doing. Um, so th their their aim is not the flourishing of society. Their aim is probably just gain for themselves. And we have we have the levers of power, so we can we can do whatever we want. Um, that could be as simple as someone own someone having control in the HOA and deciding I only like red houses. So I'm going to say, you know what? Uh, we're going to band together. The three of us get all three votes on this HOA board. And we're going to say, you can only have red houses in our neighborhood because we like red houses. And you would say you can't be an oligarchy in this HOA. <laughs> well, you might be able to, <laughs> it depends on the HOA. But I mean, we, you've, I've heard of the, like the oligarchs in Russia, mm -hmm. right? That yeah. They have some of this going on there. Yeah. And well, and probably a little bit one person rule too. Yes. But yeah, there's definitely an oligarchy involved. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then if you, we, it could be that many people are ruling and in a good form, that could be democracy. Uh, that comes from the root word for honor. So if a bunch of people desire honor, uh, then you could have a bunch of... In, in the book, it also talked about just a constitutional republic. If you if you have a constitution, you're going to write it out, and hey, we're all going to do this together, and we're going to be bound by um, preset rules. That would be a good form of many people governing all at once. A bad form, and I kind of I find it kind of funny. Aristotle just says the bad form of many people ruling is just democracy, <laughs> um, and essentially that's everyone's just deciding what they want to do on their own with no regard to something written down before, something, um, some honor piece, some law piece. Really, that's it's kind of like a mob. It, depending on what the mob wants is it what the mob be, gets. For sure, yeah. yeah. Um, so three different uh, amount of people ruling and then a good or a bad form. Well, I think the helpful thing is probably not to remember these names because I lose them yeah. every time as soon as we turn off the recording device. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the thing I think to recognize is that, yes, governance can be good or can be bad. Right. And you've in either form. Any yes, form. yes, in any form. 
And so, which is one of the reasons that it's so, I think, important that we we do talk about um, like the rule of law. Mm-hmm. So it isn't just dependent on a person; it's dependent on right, you know, precedent and dependent on uh, uh, laws and rules, so that there's some more objective um, governance to the the people involved. Totally, totally. And it's it's worth pondering if you if you're sitting. I'm assuming you're American. If you're listening to this, uh, if there's other people from other countries, you can do the same exercise. But um, if you're thinking about okay, what? How does our country rule? You could you can look at these and go, okay, interesting. I actually see. Well, we have a president, so there's one person in the executive um, that has authority. That kind of seems like that one person thing. But we also have the few people thing. We have this this aim for an aristocracy. We have this Supreme Court. There's only a few people there. And the goal is to have the people who um, are, are aiming for the right ruling, the right um, interpretation of the laws as they're written. That kind of seems like a, like a few people ruling. But then you go, well, there's Congress too. We have, we have a lot of people ruling. Um, and there's, what, 400 and 435, I think, uh, members of the House of Representatives. And then there's 100 um, in the Senate, that that seems more like the the many people ruling type thing, and that's by design. We our system of government takes all three of these and kind of makes a, a match of them and creates a hybrid system because of the checks and balances, as if, as you've noted a couple times. And on top of all of that is all all three layers, but on a and I'll call it a liberal founding. You you mentioned the rule of law. We have within our system, within our constitution. It's written out. We're gonna we're gonna protect these rights in such a way that they can't be changed willy nilly by the democracy, by a bunch of people saying, "Actually, you know what? We don't like freedom of press. Actually, you know what? We don't like um, freedom of religion or or whatever whatever is your favorite freedom." Um, those are written down in a way that can't be touched quickly or easily by any of the layers of government because we we have a founding that is is about that rule of law and there's particular freedoms in that rule of law. So the first, the first definition was government. One of the, and I think I even did it earlier when we were talking, uh, one of the words that sometimes gets stirred in there and just substituted for government is the state. Mm-hmm. And uh, how, would, how would you distinguish between the state and the government? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, in the way we've defined it, there's plenty of government where there's not necessarily a state. We've talked about families, um, there's government in churches, there's government in little leagues, there's government in small businesses and big businesses and the HOA. Um, but only some of those things, well, actually none of the things I just said are states. A state would be a politically organized body of people um, usually occupying def- a definitive territory. This is a, and then there's sovereignty to it. Um, so when we talk about a state, we're going to think maybe the state of Oregon or um, the nation, this is a politically defined territory. And really, the state, I think, goes to the place where, uh, back to the Noahic Covenant, who, as far as government's concerned, who holds the sword? And generally, it's going to be the state that holds the sword and has the authority and is, and is um, embodying that sphere of, of government that involves making sure, okay, if someone someone kills someone, that we're gonna we're gonna hold them responsible. We're gonna um, make sure the the law is 
uh, executed the way it should should well, be. And so the the two pieces of the state that um, probably are salient one is territory and sovereignty. Mm-hmm. So they have their own governance over their own territory, mm-hmm. and then the other would be uh, some form of government, whether it's tyranny or aristocracy or democracy, whatever it is, there is some form that that governance over that state takes. Mm -hmm. And probably those two things would uh, do it. Sometimes we use the state as in the state of Oregon. Sometimes the way that people talk about it is, you know, church and state, meaning national government, but Mm -hmm. the word state stands in there for different kind of thing. I mean, some people will talk about separation of church and state when they're actually talking about schools Mm. because the school is a state school. But when we're talking about it in those ways, we're largely talking about more of an an instrument of the state. (laughs) Right. So there's a number of ways we use that word, but it does have to do with territory, sovereignty, and governance. Um, Probably all three. Well, it's worth remembering, uh, maybe not worth remembering, but if you remember COVID and during the pandemic, a lot of the rules and regulations that worth forgetting, bound us, not worth remembering, exactly. is what you're saying. Yes, continue. Um, were at the state level because the state, uh, specifically the state of Oregon and the state of Washington, had the authority to make those changes for protection of life, and the federal government did not because of the way our our system is set up. So right. that's it's helpful to think about those things that state holds power um, in in a way that a city doesn't or a county doesn't. So. Well, the the whole thing is layered. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. certain things that the state could care less about, but the city oh, would yeah. enforce. Yeah. So yeah, it's just layered. That's and that's fair, which we would expect. So, and I would say, I, I actually can't say whether it's more than anyone else, but um, we have a fairly layered and complicated system compared to most countries in the world. It, there's we have states and counties and cities and and the federal government and all of its mixed up together and you and you you drive for five minutes and you might go through three different jurisdictions having authority and depending on what we have water districts and metro and all these different things there's a bunch of different layers uh, right we're not going to define all those but i i think that's right stay tuned next week for right. definition of water district let's, let's not do that but i i just bring that up because there's there's a lot of different bits of government happening all over the place and I always find that that's helpful to just keep me humble about what I'm engaging. Because usually, like like I said at the beginning, we just we make government this big nebulous thing, and we go, ah, I don't like government, or oh, I do like government. And like, what are we talking about? Which layer are you talking about? Are you talking about the state or the federal or the city? Um, that that usually helps me slow down a little bit and go, okay, where what are we actually referring to, and um, how should I talk about it? Right. So we talked about the government and we talked about the state. Probably worth just briefly talking about the church. We're going to talk about the church probably more later. Uh, Not so much in definitional terms, but in um, just as far as how the church relates to the politics and all the things. But the church, even though we don't recognize it as such, is... Uh, fundamentally a political term. Mm. Uh, and I say fundamentally because the Greek word for a church is ekklesia, means called out ones. 
but it is also the term used for an assembly. Mm-hmm. Not so. So when Jesus said, "I'll you know, on this rock I'll build my church," it's very likely that the the common use of that word was political assembly. Mm-hmm. And so here is King Jesus. They just said, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." On that rock, I will build my political assembly, namely church. So that to me is really striking because I spent most of my ministry as a pastor trying to avoid politics when not recognizing that the fundamental, even definition of church was that of an assembly. And so uh, Acts 19, 32 through 40 uses it in that term in Ephesus when they were going to uh, try and figure out as a city whether or not uh, Paul should be uh, condemned for destroying the uh, the worship of Diana. And so they were having an assembly. And that is very in, uh, informative because you it doesn't take much uh, imagination then to see Jesus calling out his uh, assembly and uh, he, he is the son of David. He is the king of kings. And you see Jesus then uh, designating the church as its political entity, sort of a, mm-hmm. um, the front runner of the, of the kingdom of heaven. Right. And so anyway, it's, I think it's important to, to recognize that. I think it's important for um, I think it's important for us to think of the church as part of the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. so that you've got the kingdom of heaven um, as you might say an embassy or the the church as an embassy of the kingdom of heaven. What somebody somebody talked about what that's like. What does that mean? And they suggested that the church should be like a foreign military base for the kingdom of heaven. Not mm-hmm. in the sense that it's uh, martial or that it's militant. more like militant, but that when you're on a foreign military base, you have a Taco Bell, you have a Burger King, you have, you know, movie theaters that show current things from the home ta- from, mm-hmm. from home. And essentially they've developed this life of their true home on this foreign military base. And so uh, if we thought about the church that way, it would be fairly helpful, but that gets us. um, That's probably enough about the church. We will talk more about church. Uh, Well, if I can underscore underscore one thing about the church, we just described a group of people over and over and over again. And that that's important. It's not um, the building where people gather. It's not um, it's, it's it's specifically a group of people. So the embassy is a group of people. They're the called out ones, all those things. I think it's worth noting because it's often, uh, we get a little bit confused. I'm going to go to church. No, I am. We, I'm part of the church. Right. And I, I think that's a helpful piece, especially when we're talking about political things. Uh, a legislative assembly is not, um, so a, a legislative assembly is what it's called in Oregon. They're not the, the legislative assembly because they showed up at the state capitol building. They are the the legislative assembly gathered with authority when they call into session the group of people there. And that's similar, uh, in a similar way, that's what's going on with church. The, the, uh, the gathering has assembled when we gather on Sunday, we're proclaiming the king. Um, that's really is a political gathering. 
So church and state, why why would we want to define those two things? Do those things come up often in a sentence? Those things come up all the time. In fact, when when people talk about the church and politics, what they the entry point for most people is separation of church and state. Mm. That that's really the way that most people think about what are we talking about when we're talking about politics and the church? Well, we're talking about separation. And, uh, you know, the, I, I, we'll just, we, we've done a, a, another episode on mm-hmm. this alone, really. So we'll just touch on it here. But the, um, the church and state operate in two spheres, one the kingdom of heaven, the other the kingdom of men, basically. And so you've got this, and then there are instances in which they cross over, and so that makes it more difficult, but uh, each has separate responsibilities and tasks that should be left for them. Um, public health, for instance, this is one of our pandemic mm-hmm. learnings, is not necessarily the governance of the church, but more of the state, and so uh, particularly you know, the state of Oregon for us. Right. And so um, there is this sense in which God has ordained that. And does that mean that, what does that mean to the church? That, that means that w- the church in proper response submits and let the government do their thing. Whereas the, the government then, within the appropriate sphere, the, that's what I meant yep. in that sphere. And then the, the government also steps back and lets the church do its thing, which is a subject of our prayers. Let pray for kings and those in authority. We might mm-hmm. live quiet and peaceful lives. So um, the the stress of it comes, I think, when <laughs> there, <laughs> I can't really, there, there's a lot of stress that comes. But uh, the, the stress of it comes, I think, when uh, we, the church, feels privileged and when we feel privileged, and for the most part, the church has long felt privileged in America, mm. so that any kind of equality feels like persecution. That's what Andrew Walker says in his uh, book on this subject, because the church has you know, felt like they're uh, owed something by the government. Mm. And when the government says, oh, well, you're gonna treat you like everybody else, we, we feel like that's persecution. And that's when separation of church and state starts to really get on the forefront of people's minds, I think. And I, I think if you enter this conversation at the separation of church and state, that's the first part. It mm-hmm. makes it really hard to pull those things apart and figure out, should they be separate? All those type of things. But if you start with, what is the state? And then what is, what is the appropriate government within a state? And, and talk about what is church? then just by defining them, you go, actually, they, these need to be separate because they're doing different things. Well, they, <laughs> they serve a different king. Mm. Well. Really? Well, that's, that's interesting. Um, likely, you talked about two kingdoms before, mm-hmm. um, kingdom of man, kingdom of God. But at some level, all, all governance and all, all uh, authority is God's authority. Mm-hmm. So they may not be... Um, some some authority that you may not agree with may not be doing the thing um, the way you think God would want them to do it, but they are God's servant. So right. at, at some level, um, 
it's all connected under God's the king of everything, and and now we're there. Um, but God has delegated. Well, now you've really scrambled it up for us. Because <laughs> um, because there could be, I think it's worth making a distinction there. Because yes, there's two kingdoms in play, but I can go as a um, ambassador of the kingdom, the of God's kingdom. I can go work in the state government as, as in government um, as a faithful representative without giving my allegiance to the other kingdom. True. So, and there's different spheres and, and they're, I think, set up by God to do different things. And, and the ones we're going to talk about most often, especially in this podcast context is, is church and state. But just like he created the sphere of state um, for the government of protection of people and, and flourishing, he also created the sphere of family and the sphere of, um, Little League is almost is a sphere, like all those little things. And so I, I think we want to be careful just throwing the different spheres to different kingdoms. They all, they're all God's spheres, and they may be serving different kingdoms at different times, depending on the actors in, in the particular role. You're, you're right to put everything under God's rule. <laughs> Abraham Kuyper said there's, uh, there's no square inch in this world where God has not said this is mine. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's, I think that's true. Um, however, the purpose of the church is to proclaim Jesus as king. Mm -hmm. The purpose of uh, human government is not necessarily to do that. He has given it the sword right. and he's given it authority to do other things. And so, in that there are cross purposes sometimes there are cross purposes mm -hmm. but i think that that's one of the things that when we talk about separation of church state or or we fail to talk about it we think the church should just influence the state and the state should be all moral and good and and that's i mean we're going to be better off if it's mm -hmm. moral no question but that doesn't make it christian because it isn't proclaiming jesus as king Right, And so that's a distinction that I think I want to highlight as far mm -hmm. as w when I conceive of what is the church doing, the church is proclaiming Jesus as king. And to do, to compromise that so that the governments, we try and get some human government to be more moral mm -hmm. by hook or by crook. We do it however mm -hmm. we can. We're compromising the the, the purpose of this uh, called out assembly called the church to proclaim that Jesus is king. So, no, I, I agree. And so you, you talked about the moral, morality piece. I would take it even a step further. Um, say the church doesn't just influence, but uh, controls the government and said, Hey, the only, the only appropriate way to live in this, in this state is to be Christian. And then takes the sphere of government namely one that has a sword and says the only appropriate way to be a citizen here is to be a Christian, I think that would also really break what the church is supposed to be doing as well. Because you're rather than proclaiming the king who is coming and who has died and redeemed us um, and will restore all things, it's taking different tools and saying, hey, we're going to coerce you into um, believe, quote unquote believing that Jesus is king. And that's r wrong instruments, wrong sphere. You're you you may have grabbed power that you they didn't need have before. To be they need to be separated at that point. Yeah, yeah. So that so this is the this is the issue of separation church state and and really all of the conversations that we want to have here on City on the Hill 
have to do with what Eric just mentioned as far as tools and means and ends and what are how do we function in this world as called out ones in King Jesus public assembly mm-hmm. for the good of all human flourishing and the the work that the uh, human governments are supposed to do here on this earth. So anyway, I don't know if that was a that was my attempt at a summary statement. That's good. <laughs> well, let's let's close the dictionary for now. I think I think we've done enough. Um, and let me remind you, there's going to be maybe not more definitions, but we'll talk more about all these things. So to get those episodes, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts and rate us. Um, it's the beginning of the new year. So share this with a friend and say, hey, I know you want to add things to your listening list. So one of them should be sitting on a hill and that that'll be helpful to um, spread the word. And if there's questions you have or something you think we should define or some topic we should hit, send it to comment at cityonahillpodcast.com. And we look forward to the next conversation. Thank you.